Marco Beltrami is a two-time Oscar-nominated film composer known for his work on such films as The Hurt Locker and Scream. He's composed the music to a new spring surprise hit, A Quiet Place, and you can also hear his music on History's Navy SEAL series, Six. We're here on Crew Call with Marco Beltrami. When, when did you get the bug to, to want to compose for film? Was it... I mean, did you know early on when you were at Yale Music? Uh, no, not really. I um, was just thinking strictly from a practical sense uh, about how I was going to make a living. And, um, I, you know, originally I just wanted to do concert scores, concert work, but uh, it's really hard to make a living unless you stay in an academic uh, environment, like, you know, teach or something, as, and then do, do that on the side. Because it's not... It's not uh, it's not like it's well funded. Maybe in Europe it's different, but in the states it's tough to. It's a tough gig. So um, I thought that um, you know something more commercial would be would be better. And that's when I started finding out about film scoring. I came out actually. I came out from from um, from Yale uh, School of Music. Um, there was a program at USC, and Jerry Goldsmith was running the program. And I you know I I knew his scores and was was a fan. I thought well. If I'm going to learn about film scoring, that the, the way to do it would be under you know his tutelage. So um, it, it worked out well, and I came out when he was here. What was your What was your first instrument? Piano. And what What were the type of things that you were working on at Yale? Um, various commissions. I, I mean, I was sort of fortunate. I had commissions from various ensembles. Uh, um, Orchestras, the Oakland East Bay Symphony, the Chicago Symphony, the uh, uh, smaller chamber groups. There was a group in Canada, there were places in Europe. Um, I had quite a few commissions actually from the New York State Foundation for the Arts, from the American Academy of Arts and Letters. Uh, the um, so it was it was something that I I I felt good about. You know, uh, I was writing a lot of music and um, enjoying it. But I, I don't know. I thought that um, it bothered me a little bit that the audiences for new music were really sort of slim. And um, I, and the more I learned about film scoring, especially like through Jerry, I thought there was a, say it was such a uh, great world to explore, um, and that um, there's it's a great American art form, and that you know I should really learn more about it. So you meet Jerry. What's some of the advice or what's some of the takeaway from being in his class that sticks with you till today? The first thing, um, coming from this concert background where a lot of the music is sort of hidden behind a lot of complexity, um, with Jerry, it was like be as economical and simple as possible for the idea and for the players, make things as playable as possible. Um, and you know, it sounds really simple, but that's like it's it's uh, that's the the toughest thing to do. Sort of narrowing down each film you do to a um, just a fragment of something that a analogy would be of uh, like an acorn has all the. Um, genetic makeup of the whole tree that sprouts from it. And uh, 
So in the same way, finding the whole movie being the, the tree and the score being the tree, finding what the acorn is so that everything can come from that. And that, that was that was what Jerry was amazing at. And, you know, like in his score, his Academy Award uh, winning score, The Omen, um, his that whole score can be boiled down to just three notes. And, and, and I really learned that when I started studying his music and working with him. So, yeah, it, that was... That that's the thing that sticks with me from then till now, and I'm still working on. So coming away from from Jerry's class, what were what would you consider your first big break here here in town that where just everything just changed? I mean, I know I'm not trying to lead uh, you, but Scream was a big Scream was the first first movie. Yeah, that was a big break. Before that, I had a. Um, um, a TV show that probably people don't know anymore. It was called Land's End with Fred Dreyer. And, um, and that really was, that was for me felt like my big break because up until then I couldn't, you know, couldn't support myself. It was, it was really, it was really tough going, uh, there it was 22 episodes, um, working, uh, actually did it with another composer. I went to school with at USC, Chris Beck, um and we were partners on it uh, but i it sort of forced me to think you know you got to get the stuff written you can't be uh you have to you know be confident with your ideas and you know doing a show a week and um that prepared me for for going in then the next year uh yeah i got uh i got i met wes and did scream and then that all changed. Then the phone, mm-hmm. the phone hasn't stopped ringing since. Um, there was a, uh, a a period after Scream Two where I messed up. I did it in an interview, um, and um, I said some things I shouldn't have said. Like I, I wasn't, um, I wasn't uh, savvy enough at, the, at that time to like not talk about problems that we had <laughs> on the on the project and I put my foot in it and I got a call from the producer saying what the, you know what are you doing Mark are you you're, you're not going to work for us again you're not going to work again I'm like oh shit so you know I um and and it was true for about a year after that I didn't have well let's anything. out this guy right now yeah. who was it <laughs> uh, <laughs> the um well y- you know that you People have come back to you for horror and for war. You've, you're doing, you know, you did Hurt Locker. You've got Six, the series Six, the Walter Goggins series that's going on um, on the History Channel. And, of course, the amazing surprise that is A Quiet Place. But before we start talking about these projects, you know, you you worked on World War Z. Do, when when folks come back, to, do, you, do you mind genre? Because... Some folks are like, when I say some folks, I mean some creatives are like, oh, it's not for me because it's a, it scares me. Were you always drawn to horror films? Um, no, actually, just the opposite. I, um, the first horror movie I'd ever seen was Scream. I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan. Me too. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I don't enjoy watching horror movies just because I'm a cheap scare. I mean, like if someone comes up and they touch me in the back, I jump like a mile. Like it's just something. And so all the scares and stuff um, are, are very difficult for me. I think, you know, the fact that 
you know, I've been working in um, extended techniques in 20th century music. That's what I was doing. And that just lends itself well to harp scores. So uh, it turned out that way. And, and that scream was, was a hit. So people, you know, want you to keep doing stuff. Uh, and, um, and honestly, it's fun. It's fun musically to explore stuff. The, the main thing is that the picture has something that I can grab onto. The genre is not as important as the substance of the film. And um, I wouldn't have guessed that I would be, you know, in demand for horror movies if you had asked me before I started this. Um, I, um, but you know, that, that's, that's how it works out. So we'll, we'll start with uh, Quiet Place. How how did the conversation begin? Did Platinum Dunes call you up? No. Um, well, I don't know. I got my agent said, you know, there's a script here that um, I'd like you to read. And so I guess there was interest. They must have sent the script in relation. But I never asked, like, um, what the process was, how that worked. Um, and... Um, I was blown away after I read the script, you know, just it's um, to to read something that flows so well and has such little dialogue in it, but it's so, uh, it, such a great imagination, um, immediately put a lot of ideas into my head, uh, potential things that could be really cool. And then um, I was actually going to New York that weekend and um, my agent said, well, if, if you're able to, it'd be great to get you upstate New York where they're filming this and maybe you can go meet John, director, and check out a little bit of the set. They were in the last week of filming. And um, I said, great. So uh, I did. And then I saw, actually saw some of what they were doing. And it, it I was able to put a an image with the script because sometimes you read a script and it's, you know, there's a million ways to, to interpret it. Um, so it actually gave me some concrete vision of what was going on, which was really helpful. And, uh, and I was amazed at how it looked. It, it's, uh, you know, I, I didn't see everything obviously, but I saw a few key scenes like from dailies that they had and, uh, saw what they were shooting and just the scope of it and the cinematography and, um, the, the acting, you know, it was, was mind blowing. So it was. Uh, I was like, great. I'm. I'm way into it. So you see the first cut. Here's something there, in their heads as a silent film, but sound is a strong character in it. Mm -hmm. What is that? What were your ideas? Were you initially looking to do a score that bled into sound, or was there was the, your initial thought of like how much music should you put to this? Like what, how did you get around yeah. that? Because. Well, that, that was an, always an evolving question and it was never really solved until the final dub because for a variety of factors, one being that some of the important visual com effects component to the story, which really influenced the sound and the music weren't done until like, you know, I, I think until it was in the theater. Um, but the, um, uh, right from the beginning, yeah, you realize in a silent movie like this, all the the, the uh, sound and the music are 
hyper important and um, right off the bat thinking that, you know, they need to work together. Whatever it is, they have to be in tandem. It can't be that music's going to be fighting sound uh, when they're trying to dub this and all that. They're, it has to really, the music has to be almost like a subconscious manipulation of the audience um, because if you're aware of it and it takes you out, then it's sort of not really as effective. Um, and there's uh, long sequences, especially in the, in the second half of the movie, which becomes a little bit more active, um, that that uh, this really becomes crucial. Now, did you did you build things so that it could like like there's 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 what's wonderful about your music is that there's a there's a, a wonderful tonal sense, mm -hmm. and and I'll describe more of that in a bit, but. Was there, did John lean on you to do things in your score where like when you drop a bass really hard that it, 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 it almost, you don't, you, one can't tell if it's score or for its sound effect. Mm -hmm. Was, uh, I mean, that was something we worked on. Just getting back to my directive on this, the, what John really wanted, um, right off the bat, there were two things. He wanted to have a, a, uh, strong theme for the family because after all this was really i mean it's a horror movie but really it's a it's a family movie it's a movie about um what would what would parents go through for their kids what would a man sacrifice for his family what you know uh it's it's about the the family um and that needed a a theme and for this he wanted something that was um very traditional in its approach um, acoustical instruments, strings, perhaps, I was thinking. Um, also, the fact that they hadn't been around music for a while. It's been quiet. That maybe something is slightly off, something is a little bit skewed. Maybe uh, that started me thinking, well, maybe what happens if we play with the tuning of the piano? And I didn't want to make the piano be you know, just sound like completely out of tune, but we tried um, just taking like the black notes of the piano and detuning them by just a, a quarter tone, so they're a little bit flat, and then keeping the melody mainly on the white notes, uh, but then having a few of those um, uh, accidental notes in there and um, just giving it a slightly skewed character. The next thing was trying to find a signature for the alien presence for the monster, and that that took a while. I I, um, I knew that I, I wanted it to be electronic, but based on acoustical sounds. So um, pretty early on, I had a, a recording session at my studio, recording strings and brass and um, a little bit of percussion. 
just to get raw material that I could work with with Buck in my studio and manipulate and turn from an acoustical source into an electronic source. And then then it was just a question of really screwing around until I honed in on what this this was and and um, finally came up with it. And and then John said, this is it. You got it. You have you have the theme. You have the monster theme. And we called it Monster Suite at the time, but now it's the first track. Like if you want to reference, it's the first track on the on the CD. And then there was a question of applying these things throughout the movie. That that, that was the next step. And, and figuring out where the music goes. And like you said, um, yeah, it is very um, important how the music is put in with the sound and where this happens and the spotting. And, you know, we had a spotting session. John came out to my studio and we looked at the movie and, uh, and that was, that was great. But then, you know, the next week the pictures, the pictures evolved and things are different. So, uh, some things remain the same, some are changing. It was constantly, uh, a bit of a moving target in that respect. And, uh, and that made it challenging, but, um, but the shapes were there, you know, so it was, uh, it was, um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a lot of time. It was around the holidays. It was it was uh, pretty intense. So for Holmesman, you built this wonderful. You had an old piano up 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 at Marco's uh, studio in Malibu. There was a metal there was a metal uh, box, almost like what moving trucks use. A storage container. A storage container, and on top of that was a very old piano, and connected to the old piano were a couple of strings going all the way up to the water tower on the other side of the hill, running, gosh, what? 175 feet. 175 feet. And the piano could be, and you would be able to mic either side, either the the strings in, in the water tower or the strings near the piano, and you would be able to play the harp, and you would be able to play the piano, and all of this worked its way into... Wow, you have a good memory. That's, the homesman. That's, uh, yeah, that's well, I'll exactly never forget correct. this yeah. because yeah. it was such a gorgeous sight and such a wonderful part of the homesman score. And I could swear that that same piano was guest starring in your score for A Quiet Place. But every, <laughs> but I remember everyone kept talking about, oh no, no, the harp's falling down, the outdoor harps. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's in perfect good, you know, it's in perfect standing. No, I, and they're like, no, it's gone. <laughs> it's 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 out in the elements. That was a couple of years ago, and um, it's you know there's a skeleton of it that remains up there, but none of the keys play anymore. None. It's uh, it's totally deteriorated. It's just a like a sculpture out there now. It doesn't you know most of the strings are gone, and um, uh, once in a while it'll catch um, an edge in the wind, and you'll hear something uh, which which was what its original intent was: an Aeolian harp to sort of in the wind but um no that actually um is that part is not part of a quiet place but you know look i i have to say one thing inspires another and while while we were working on the homes and we started getting ideas about different tunings for piano and uh and how could you um take a piano and still make it playable with other instruments like an orchestra but not have it in the same tuning and uh, so that's that's it sort of got inspired by that. Um, and there's also the you know the element of this thing taking place on a farm and in, in uh, you're not sure where, but somewhere in you know with cornfields and all that. Uh, they actually don't have cornfields in upstate New York, so I, I'm not sure. Uh, 
But um, so there was a little bit of that, uh, maybe a touch of that Americana type feel to this score that would be reminiscent of the Holmesman. Now, segueing to, to six, you worked on Hurt Locker. What, what's the psyche of Navy SEALs? Like, t- tell me about boarding this 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 show. It, and again, you've got a really cool score here. It's very tonal. Um, I, I'm fascinated by the, the, the work that uh, the armed forces, and particularly the special ops do. I mean, it's just so amazing. Um, I'm in awe of these guys and women uh, too. I guess that uh, that um, serve our country and do do uh, such amazing things. So maybe that's why I've, I've sort of drawn to the projects. Also, just again uh, turns to the quality of the projects themselves. That the Hurt Locker was an amazing movie, um, and. Uh, Six, you know, it was was uh, it's again, it's working with some great people, and they're making a um, a really captivating show. And uh, so I was, you know, really happy and honored to that, that they they were interested. I know that one of the things in television is it's not always a wall to wall score. Do you have that? Do you have that situation with some this? of the some of the episodes have quite a bit of music, you know, and uh, you know, it turns out what, what is it, like forty some odd minutes of music um, or of of um, of um, of, uh, of the show in you know an hour for an hour show, right? And you know, there's some some of the shows that have like thirty five minutes of music, so it's quite a bit of music in some of them, um, and there are different themes. The first season focused on the Boko Haram and in Africa, uh, this second season is more based um, in Chechnya. Chechnya. So the um, uh, there's different influences in the music as well that uh, are, are fun to work with. You know, it's it's a um, for the most part synthetically you know re- represented show. There's not much live music every now and then there might be some live instruments but um i do the show with uh, a friend of mine dennis smith and um it's the it's in the second season right now so it's um yeah it's great fun how how do you balance that with feature films or do you find yourself working on two things at once because tv is like yeah all the time all the time i mean there's always overlap uh but it's just something you get used to. Um, I think my the way my brain works, which is sort of a little bit schizophrenic anyway, um, uh, being able to shift gears and go from one thing, I do that anyway. So having different shows usually isn't a problem. Sometimes it can get a little overwhelming if it gets like, um, you know, sometimes it depends on the demands of, of everything at the time, but um, but it, it always seems to be uh, a way to get through it. What's your What's your schedule like? What's wonderful is what you know. One of the things that you have that a lot of co- other composers don't have is you could bring a chamber orchestra up to your place and you can record the music right there. That mm-hmm. like, which we you, do a lot. You know, I the reason I built that place out in the middle of nowhere is that uh, I used to be in town and. Uh, 
you're sort of reliant on your neighbors and not disturbing people and all. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess you could build like a whole place soundproofed and all that, but I, I didn't have that. And I wanted to have that and a place big enough where I could uh, record, you know, small films, you know, we can fit 35 players up there um, at a time and, and really make use of the things that we enjoy. I've always enjoyed back from the concert days of uh, exploring the timbres of instruments. And now with um, computers and one of the great things about film is that you're really working towards the performance is the final product. Um, and it's not something that, you know, you have to, has to be able to be performed out in public. Um, so you can really uh, extend the timbral possibilities of instruments. And so we have people come up all the time and play things and, and it's, you know, it's a big playground up there. We record things inside, outside, uh, you know, all different combinations of different ways of recording and sounds. And, uh, and, and that's really fun. Um, what's, your what's your day like? Because we've, we've, we've been to uh, composer studios where they're literally sleeping in their studio. <laughs> and then there's the other side of the situation where... We'll go to Michael Giacchino, and he's like, I got a strict schedule. He's like, I work from nine to five, and I take a lunch, and I'm like, wow, because I always, he's he's yeah. he's got a, he's got a discipline down. Yeah, but, I think I'm pretty disciplined. I I have uh, I have always had uh, really bad insomnia, real bad sleep issues, um, and so I try to keep as regular a schedule as possible. Um, that's why going to New York is difficult for me, or traveling because you know places that you know, New York never sleeps. It's up like till one in the morning, and then and then it it always takes me a while to settle down um, my my brain um, before I go to sleep. Uh, so yeah, I try to um, come in in the morning, usually around ten o'clock or so, and um, you know depending on what we're doing at the time, you know, leaving around seven o'clock, something like that. So it's, uh, yeah, I think fairly, fairly regular. Can you share with us what your next projects are? Uh, right now I'm doing a, uh, a film for Fox called underwater. And, um, actually the next one probably in the, in the theater is, um, uh, a really unique film for national geographic, um, called, solo or free solo they i think they changed the name about uh, the first person to free climb el capitan with no ropes or any support and it's it's uh talk about scary talk about horror movies that's scary to me i mean uh, i've done a little bit of climbing not like this and it's insane to see i mean it's amazingly shot by um you know someone that's a a climber as well uh, Jimmy Chin, he made he made um, Meru, and uh, it, it's unbelievable. So um, yeah, I think that's the next thing that um, it'd be fun to hear your thoughts on. The so advice for young up and coming composers. What I'm sure I'm sure you get approached all the time. What what do you tell them? Um couple of thoughts you know it's it's a it's a it's a tough 
gig. It really is like so much of it is not is extra musical, you know, working, not just working on the creative problem is so many other things. If it's something that um, if it's something that you really have to do and do it, if there's something else that, you know, is interesting to you, I'd suggest do that. <laughs> but <laughs> um, but having said that, the um, uh, I think there is a lot of opportunity now. Um, it's so easy to make movies, and and it's so easy to write music too. I mean, you don't need a big studio. There, the with the um, advances in technology. Even though I suck at technology, and I still you know use pencil and paper for the most part. Um, it's uh, it's. Uh, opened a lot of doors and I think that um, if you have a creative sense about about it uh, you should just follow your own creativity not try to emulate what other people are doing um, maybe steal from other people but not copy and um, and 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 I think there's a lot of possibility but it really has to be in you because it's not I don't think it is a it takes a lot, you know. I think you have to be, um, you have to be like have a a big ego, but at the same time, you're insecure because you have to believe in what you're doing, but also you can't rest on any laurels because then it it uh, you sort of lose the drive to explore and find new things. So it's like this constant balance of insecurity and um, and security. I I I. I I don't know. It, that's 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 probably why I'm crazy. But <laughs> there's a lot of compromise too. I mean, I mean, in the sense that just like with screenwriters, you sit down with the director, and you're either going to have. I mean, it's a flexible creative. It's a flexible creative partnership, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you know, and if you have that inspiration working with a director. Uh, that the film is telling you this, whatever that, that's that's great. That's what you need. I mean, there's times when you, I look at a film and I'm like, I don't, I don't know what I'm gonna do, you know. And that's the scariest time when you're trying to solve the puzzle. Either you solve it or you gotta move on. You know, it's like just otherwise you're just writing, you know, bullshit. Marco Beltrami, on Crew Call. <laughs>